<laughs> a little dab will do ya. Like, can you pick us up? Yeah. The dabbing. Yeah. <laughs> just a little salty. <laughs> just, just a little salty. Could use a tad more salt. What are you drinking? Everybody keeps telling me I need more, have more salt. I'm like, I don't want to be more salty than I already am. <laughs> you, you can't be anything but honest, Alex. <laughs> Leave the saltiness to Matt Vader. Where's your uh, your mushroom drink? I didn't make or anything your today. Yeah, where, where's your cup of mud? I didn't. I didn't have time to make anything today. I'm very disappointed right yes. now. I know. <laughs> I was really hoping you'd have something new this week. It'd be, it'd be like this glow, glowing orange liquid. It's like a gimmick now. You guys are like, where's your funky drink? <laughs> um, I'll have a surprise for you guys next week. I already know what I'm going to get. And it's, you guys are going to freak out. Like, legit. The blood of virgins. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what this, you drink. What is wrong with you? God. The blood of virgins. Yeah, my Vlad, my <laughs> Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. Just thinking of funky stuff to drink. Welcome to the future. Life is good, but it can be better. And why shouldn't it be? All you need is to want it. I take what I want in return. Everyone will see. Welcome back to another episode of the Salty Nerd Podcast. I am your host, the Salty Nerd, and today's episode we will be discussing Wonder Woman 1984, Ghostbusters Afterlife, The Mandalorian Misfire, and Golden Globes, and a couple other things. Oh, and The Boys Season 2. And I am joined today by Matt Vader 74 on Twitter, master of all nerds. What's up, buddy? Um, not a lot, man. Not a lot? Don't forget <laughs> Plucky Sidekick. No, you're not. <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> You put that in your t- in your. I did. Bio. It's like I'm nobody's fucking sidekick, and you're making me swear already. I'm, man. Oh man, poor Matt. You're not my sidekick. Just put your hat on. The glare off your head's blinding me right now. <laughs> God. Okay, this is extra salty today. <laughs> off to a good start. Yeah, great start. <laughs> oh man. All right. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Um. So, oh, and Matt, Matthew yeah, Kadish. Don't forget me. Author of the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm here too, guys. Author of the Earthman Jack Saga on Amazon. What's up, man? How you doing? Terrible. Terrible. Had some uh, some stuff flood in my house uh, over the weekend and took the plumber like four days to show up. Oh, yes, I'm Mr. Poopy Pants today. Uh, times 10. <laughs> At least so. we have some good trailers to talk about. We can discuss... Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. They dropped the trailer a year early. <laughs> I don't understand this whole, like, let's drop a trailer a year before the yeah, movie was, comes out. it's really early, huh? Very early. It doesn't come out until next November, right? Is that the release date? November I be- 2020? I believe so. It's for the holiday season. Yeah. They like, try, are they trying to get some... Uh, but you know what? Like, that's how you build interest in an upcoming blockbuster. And that, that's why I was so surprised that uh, Rise of Skywalker didn't really do that. They're, they're more of, like, the shotgun approach. Where they just like all at once, boom, bam, bombard you for two months. And they're like, here, 
this is the movie coming out next month. Which I arguably, but, but, but you I know feel like that's what, better. You know what's funny is like the Force Awakens did the whole like year long build up to it. You know, like they had the first first trailer dropped in October. Well, they started that all at the uh, Comic Con. They did like sizzle reels and stuff for for Rise of Skywalker and Force yeah, Awakens. but the, I, I think the the promo machine was in full. They had, uh, what, Star Wars Celebration. They did the Han and Chewie trailer. Well, I will say this. Whatever strategy they have for marketing Wonder Woman 1984 is definitely working on me. (laughs) Uh, I love this trailer. It's the music. (laughs) So so the the, the Blue Monday instrumental song from uh, uh, New Order uh, is the quintessential 80s song. Mm -hmm. Uh, The nostalgia factor in this uh, trailer was off the charts. Uh, As a child of the 80s, I just, I I loved every second of it. Uh, Wonder Woman looks great. The action looked great. Uh, You know, we got the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal as a... As the back. So he was like wishing on a a stone, right? Is that his, it was like his little magic genie. He was holding that stone at his desk and he's like, Uh, you can make whatever you want happen. And he's like, like, I've always seen Maxwell Lord as like a poor man's Lex Luthor. Um, but it looks like they're they're trying to make him like a, a Trump like figure in this movie. <laughs> oh my um, god! I didn't I didn't connect that. Well, it's, it's like you know he's got the orange hair, and yeah, like the yeah. suits, and he he does look like Trump from the 1980s. <laughs> I thought they I thought they got the mall right. Oh yeah, the, the mall, mall was, was good because everybody hung out in the malls back then. I'm a little disappointed because she didn't have enough Aquanet in her hair. <laughs> yeah, Aquanet. Her hair, the, the the bitch flip is not high enough. <laughs> yeah. She needed some soul glow. In fact, it looked very 90s. <laughs> okay, they need to get more Aquanet in her hair. The big hair from the oh, 80s. Oh, yeah, the taller. The, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not really into the Blue Monday thing. What? I'm, I'm, I want some scorpions. I want some odds. <laughs> well, well, you're a, you're a metalhead, though. Uh, you know, that whole that, that British shitty music? No, get it out of here. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that, that emo Depeche Mode no. stuff? I used to beat those guys up. Yeah. Those, those those people piss me off. So anyway, the trailer is really good. <laughs> you know what though? Like like as as good as the trailer is, the entire time I was watching, I kept wondering. I was like, how did nobody know about her before Batman see, versus Superman? See, that's dead. That whole idea. That's is, not dead. It is dead. It's not dead. Snyder's they, vision is dead. They have never come out and said Batman versus Superman and Justice League are no longer canon. Yeah, but they're doing it subtly with like Shazam <laughs> and, and well, well, Shazam what? acknowledged Batman versus Superman and Justice League. Oh, they did, didn't they? They did. With Joker. DC's doing another thing, man. Wonder Woman's going to be completely... Like, she's going to start separating herself. And Aquaman, It's like same an Elseworlds thing. thing. Yeah. Well, even Aquaman had references to Justice League. In did it. it? Yeah. But, I thought uh, it was a prequel to that. So, like, someone on Twitter said that um, they showed her destroying all the security cameras in the mall. Mm-hmm. And that's why people, like, didn't know about her. And I was like, it was the 80s. They would have had tons of eyewitness accounts on the news. As a, as a surveillance professional... I could tell you those cameras probably aren't showing up very much anyway because they're all <laughs> grainy and black yeah, and white. Yeah. And, and but, but I, I kind of want to know how uh, Captain Kirk got there. But but even still, the like, that's the wish, right? So he I has the stone, like, make all your dreams come true or whatever Pedro Pascal's line is from the trailer. And then sh- it shows her, Diana, making some kind of a wish. And then, boom, Steve Ro- Steve is there. Steve, What's his name? Steve it's not, not, it's not Steve Rogers. It's not Steve Rogers. <laughs> Steve, Steve Kirk. That's Captain America. Yeah. I, I don't know. Steve something. It's Captain Chris, Kirk. Christopher yeah. Pine's everywhere. Yeah, right? Chris Pine. He's a good actor. Anyway. He went through uh, a Spock's wormhole. Rocking that fanny pack. Yeah. Dig it. 80s fanny pack. The Dig fanny it. pack. 
Found <laughs> one of those in my closet. A couple. I love. Ago. Oh, you know what else I really liked about this uh, is the the color correction from the first one. The first one I understood it was from the you know World yeah, War this One is era. A very colorful movie. Very colorful. I, I dug it. Her outfit, her armor. She looks, looks amazing. Great. Yeah, she uh, looks amazing. She looks fantastic. Was, I love the close ups when she was fighting and her style of fighting when she does these little spins and slides on the ground. I think that's so freaking. And she cool. does it wearing a mini skirt, so it's in, totally in style. It's even better. Yeah. So was the scene in the plane? Was that the invisible jet? No. There was a plane? Yeah, where well, they're in the cockpit of the jet. Oh, no, I didn't get no, that impression. I think that's an actual plane. But, you know, remember that scene um, a couple of months ago when they were actually filming and people were like, look, she's she's on wires in the middle of a street. She must be in the invisible jet. It, and then you see the scene in the trailer and she's just running like normal. And she's running and then she takes a flying leap down a busy Washington, D.C. street. Yeah. And then uh, she's fighting inside the White House. I don't know if you guys noticed that with her lasso. She's fighting a bunch of like Secret oh, Service guys. Is that guys. what that was? Yeah. Because her, her buddy's with her too. Steve, I noticed him in yeah. the background. He was I never there. really thought of the, the lassos that much of a weapon. But man, she really gets Rocks some use out of that. Yeah. She she's freaking swinging on strikes of lightning yeah. Dude, with that thing. Tag teaming with her daddy. Father-daughter yeah. moment. Yeah, that was amazing. Bam, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I dug that. And then with the, music, the music played so well. Yeah, with, with, with the music and the colors <laughs> and uh, like the action, like it, it, it was, it was a really exciting and well done. Like this is the trailer that I wanted from Black Widow. Like Black Widow was just such a boring freaking trailer uh, compared to something like this, which like it gets me excited to want to see, yeah. you know, uh, Wonder Woman, which is what a trailer should do. Whereas with Black Widow, I was just like, yeah, I can see the difference. Yeah. I, I still like the Black Widow trailer because I had some cool action and I, I thought David Harbour was pretty funny as the Red Guardian. But I, I can definitely see the difference. This one was like, whoa, that's like very striking images. Well, the cool thing with the Wonder Woman trailer is that it has a very distinctive voice to it. It, it, it stands out amongst all the other superhero movies because it, of its setting and because of its style. And even Gal Gadot, like, she's really worked on her accent. Like, you could actually mm-hmm. understand her, <laughs> you know, in this trailer. So, uh, and Kristen Wiig as the, the I think she's going to be the bad guy. I don't know much about that character, but I'm, I'm not just, a, I'm just not a big Christian, Kristen Wig fan. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. I, I like She's a, from the SNL yeah. uh, standpoint. I don't see her as a villain. I hope they can pull it off, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure they can. Kind of like, eh, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. I, I can see her more as a, you know, a villain in the next Austin Powers movie <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, you know, if you, if you watched her in uh, Bridesmaids, she was kind of that uh, kind of bitchy um, character. Uh, in that, even though she was supposed to be the main character, um, but she can play like I guess like annoying really well. <laughs> uh, we haven't seen her in many dramatic roles. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they'll figure it out. I have faith in Patty Jenkins. This is a dramatic role. Well, she's a like a comic book villain. So she's got a, It's not a comedy role. Yeah, it's not going to be goofy. Well, did they did have a little comedy in that moment when she was like, "How many times have you been in love?" Oh, a lot, a lot, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> it's like okay. When the global supply chain is strained, one essential transportation network continues to keep the economy connected 24-7. That network is freight rail. We're increasing hiring and capacity, all while investing more than $20 billion per year into our network to improve reliability every day. We never stop working to better serve our customers because freight rail works. Virginia is for eaters and drinkers, all kinds of eaters and drinkers, for oyster shuckers and slurpers, winery samplers or all-day wine drinkers, brewery hoppers and distillery sippers, for those who order grits and those who order cheese grits. We all know what the right way to order is. 
for barbecue triers who turn into finger lickers and meat off the bone suckers. Mm. All right, all this talk of food is making me hungry. I gotta go get some mac and cheese. Like I was saying, Virginia is for all sorts of food lovers. So come love it for yourself. So she is still like hanging on to her comedy roots, which I yeah. thought was oh, an let's interesting. Just, take. Let's just hope she's better in this than she was in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Speaking Segway. of Ghostbusters. Oh man, man. 2016 <laughs> Ghostbusters is a flop and they're like, Hey, let's try yeah. this again. Talk let's, about, let's, talk about let's, retconning. Let's, let's uh, delete that movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> we talked we talked about how they're getting rid of justice league and, and Batman V Superman. They're literally getting rid of, Ghostbusters has it been a ghost sighting in 30 years? 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, never happened. <laughs> Leslie Jones is losing her mind it. right now. I love it. How, How dare but, but I you? Mean, in, in the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, like the original Ghostbusters never existed. Like there were no Ghostbusters before the, the women started the Ghostbusters. I never saw that movie. so I've, I've, I haven't been able to finish it yet. It's so terrible. <laughs> well, it, it's it's basically a reboot. Yeah. Like in, in Despite the trailer saying that, or kind of referring to the first Ghostbusters movie, the actual movie itself uh, has, uh, in, in, in its lore, I guess you could say, uh, Ghostbusters didn't exist, and the women were the first Ghostbusters. Didn't Bill Murray show up? All the original cast members who were still alive showed up, but they played different characters. Oh. Uh, like Bill Murray was like a skeptic. Just like cameos? Who was, who was like trying to debunk. The, he, he basically played the Richard Peck role. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, he was trying to like debunk the the Ghostbusters. Anyway, you know, nobody wants to talk about 2016. Yeah. <laughs> the movie doesn't exist. Anymore. It doesn't. So, so, uh, Ghostbusters afterlife, um, it, it, even as a, like somebody who's not a fan of Ghostbusters franchise, I never really got into it. Like you said, I'm too young for it. I wasn't there when it came out and mm-hmm. I, I never got into it when I was older. Um, I can already tell just from this trailer, how much more appreciative and honoring the original movies this one is compared to 2016 i'm watching i'm like yeah this seems like a next chapter in this you know 30 years later we have these kids that are probably in some way related to the original cast yeah Yeah. it's the big difference between jason reitman who's a part of the ghostbusters legacy and paul feig who is not (laughs) paul feig was the one who wrote and directed ghostbusters 2016 he's one of the biggest hacks working in hollywood right now if you you look at the kids and how they've got them Dressed, yeah. Style. They have the glasses. They, they, look, they look just like Egon's. The thing, thing is, though, I, I did not much care. I was not impressed by this trailer. Oh my god! Come on, man. Even I, I liked it. No, like, no, okay, no. I like. Well, well, you like a lot of things. I don't like. I, this is true. <laughs> um, Seems to be opposite. I, <laughs> I, I saw people on Twitter calling it uh, ghost things. Because it looked like basically Stranger, Stranger Things, things yeah, with, with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. It is. It's totally like a, a, a they, 1980s. They got, got the actor from Stranger Things in there. Goonie. So, that kid's everywhere. That, that, that's because he's popular right now. Yeah. Well, he's a good actor. He's going to sell tickets. But basically, it looks like the the plot of this movie, which we did not know going into this trailer, was is that uh, Egon's daughter has kids, Egon's grandkids, and they move to a remote rural house that Egon left them after he died, and it has all of his old ghost busting gear in it, and there's mysterious stuff happening in this small town which i can only imagine is why egon went there to begin with and um his family starts you know finding these ghosts and and resurrecting the old uh ghostbusters gear and it looks like they're going to be ghostbusters 2.0 yeah so everybody have adventures everybody who loves the goonies is going to be all up in this movie because it looks like and feels like the goonies not so sure goonies is the right comparison i would think ghost the original ghostbusters like there was this yeah but they're like 13 year old kids like there was that we also got to remember that we only probably saw stuff from the first 45 minutes of this movie 
You think all the people from they're all going to be in this movie? Is from my understanding is Dan so, Aykroyd and yeah. Bill Murray and all them they're yeah. going to come oh, back. Oh yeah, they're all coming back. Oh okay, all, I didn't know that. All, all the original living cast members are coming back for this movie. You know, traditionally, you know, trailers aren't going to show you stuff yeah. to give you any idea of the actual plot of the movie. There, so. there was a part in the trailer where they had that speech from uh, Venkman from the first one. who's was like, call it fate, call it karma. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they were doing that and they were like revealing the Ecto one, I, I got chills. Like, like that was a good moment. Um, but I'm, I, you know, for me, Ghostbusters was always like a New York movie. Like it was, you know, these characters, a lot of people call Ghostbusters a comedy. I don't think it's a comedy. I think it's more of an underdog tale with comedic elements to it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, I don't know, like the, this trailer, even though it hit all the right nostalgia notes, it didn't really feel like a Ghostbusters movie to me. So I guess I'm going to have to wait and see like, you know, what more is coming from this. But uh, uh, on Red Letter Media, I, I watched their take on the trailer last night. And it was kind of funny because they compared uh, the the reveal of the Millennium Falcon from the, the Force Awakens trailer to mm. the reveal of the Ecto-1. And then they showed them side by side. And it's like Millennium Falcon like flipping in the air and then the Ghostbusters uh, Ecto-1 kind of drifting drifting in, in the corner. I, I think it's a stuff. good comparison. You yeah. know, like the Millennium Falcon is a character. To me, it is, it's a character in Star Wars. It is. Ecto-1 is a character unto itself as yeah. well. And I don't know if it's you guys saw, iconic. speaking of characters, uh, Slimer. Was in the, yeah, he the, had a little cameo in there. He was flying around. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Who, that's who they were chasing through yeah. the through the town. I think having Paul Rudd in there is a is a great move. I think he fits into this world pretty well. In my opinion, his comedy and his acting chops really add to this trailer to me. Like watching him in this universe and kind of mm-hmm. reacting to what's going on, I'm like that he's going to fit in perfectly. He's yeah. going to be that nerdy he, guy he, he who's like seems like the Lewis Tully type character. He knows about the lore. He shows the kids the history of the Ghostbusters. He's going to be that that guy, and I I think he's a perfect fit for this uh for this movie i wonder if they actually got moranis to come back for this no he, he moranis is adamantly not coming back to acting i remember in 2016 when the ghostbusters movie was coming out uh, they actually some reporter actually tracked him down and interviewed him and he was he was like no i'm done uh, there's not there's there's no amount of money you can offer me to ever come back to acting <laughs> and, he, and he stuck to his guns like, like he, he's, he's ba- ba- basically he's just entirely like his wife died so he's entirely focused on his kids mm-hmm. and he's like i don't want to leave my kids and so oh, good for because him of that he, if that's the reason good for him yeah because of that he's no longer acting <sighs> speaking of acting golden globes mm-hmm. yeah. joker's getting some attention and uh i don't really care about awards <laughs> well fun fact about this year's golden globes what's going on this is the first year that no broadcast television networks have gotten any nominations Every single nomination has been going to streaming services. Well, it's because there's no broadcast network TV doesn't make good TV anymore. Yeah, this who who else? Who is network TV? Like BBC? No, it's uh, Fox, uh, ABC, CBS. It's it's the broadcast network. I can't okay. think of a single show that I watch on network TV that I didn't watch 15 years ago. Yeah, I can't either. I don't know any new shows but, that aren't already on. But streaming. what's interesting is like you compare it to the Emmys, and the Emmys definitely had broadcast nominations to it but golden globes was just like nah we're not dealing with you guys anymore <laughs> and and all the, like the big networks now have streaming services as well so uh, there's like this this odd shift going on in hollywood um and, and this was kind of like a interesting precursor hmm. to that but another interesting thing in addition to all like the prestige streaming services getting nominations and hbo was like the second most nominated network behind netflix uh game of thrones didn't get 
any nominations for their final season except, it except for <laughs> Kit except, Harrington, except right? for Kit Harrington yeah. as best actor. Had three lines the whole yeah. season. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't see him winning for I don't want it and and <laughs> she's, she's my, my queen. queen. <laughs> uh, he might he might get the nom, he might get the award for best yelling at a dragon. Is this scene, the, is this but, the pity nom? Yeah, the pity yeah. nom. Like we got to give Game of Thrones something for season eight. Yeah, I don't but, know. That. But but Golden Globes was just like yeah, you're not getting anything from us. <laughs> Well, hey, get what you deserve. Uh, season eight was a terrible season. It was a uh, it was an awful ending to that fantastic but, uh, show. Joker is up for a lot of awards. That's uh, freaking people out, which I think is still funny that they're still digging their heels in about not liking this movie. Yeah, but if you look at it, so for Golden Globes, Joker is nominated for best picture, best director, best actor, like all like the big categories. Yeah. Joker is nominated for, and it's up there with some really prestigious movies. And I think that 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 because. A lot of people look at the Golden Globes as like the precursor to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. So if Joker's getting this much attention from the Golden Globes, then we can definitely expect it to see a uh, uh, presence at the Oscars. So I was thinking about this because I'm not – I already mentioned this. I'm not really an awards guy. Neither are you, Matt. Nope. Neither no. of us really care that much about it. But I'm thinking I'm like if out of the movies that I've seen, I'm trying to figure out who I feel like was the best actor. And Joaquin Phoenix is definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joker was fantastic. Uh, the way he changed himself physically to to create that painful looking laugh and just his downtrodden like you know the underbelly of anger inside of him. Like I loved his acting in that movie. But then I remember I went to go see Lighthouse, which I didn't even really like that movie. But Willem Dafoe freaking kicked ass in that movie. He acted his butt off. He had some crazy long monologues that were in like old timey speak and he just <laughs> nailed it and there was one scene in particular that blew me away he was uh he was half dead i think it was after they had a big fight between him and, and robert pattinson and uh robert pattinson was burying willem defoe's character alive and the camera was literally like on willem defoe's face just a foot away from it and you're looking at willem defoe and he's reading his lines as whoever robert pattinson or whatever extra on the set was literally throwing dirt on his face and he's chewing on the dirt as he's delivering his lines. And I'm just like, and he doesn't stop. It's like a solid monologue. And I'm like, holy crap. I wouldn't be able to act like that. Like if somebody's throwing dirt in my face, in my eyes, in my mouth, and I'm still delivering my lines with like pinpoint accuracy. I'm like, you don't do that more than once. That had to have been one take. I just, I couldn't believe it. That to me, no matter how much I love Joaquin Phoenix and Joker, doing something like that while acting just seems like it's a step above. Like that was like, Willem Dafoe should have gotten nominated for his role in Spider-Man. <laughs> That's what Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, what are you, well, any thoughts on I, you? I, I know you seen, what do I have? My thoughts. Yeah. Any good actors um, you've seen? Because you've seen Joker and a couple, yeah. What I, thought, are, I thought I thought Phoenix was really good in the Joker. I'm sure he'll end up winning it. You know. But um, I think my my thoughts. My feelings on Joker has actually kind of gone down a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's just because there's been some time between when I watched the movie and now. The hype is worn the off. The hype is wore off. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm not, I'm not really into award shows. Self-congratulatory yeah. nonsense. Well, like, I, just, I know that you guys aren't into the award shows and I'm not really into them either. But the thing that you have to remember is that Hollywood pays attention to award shows. And, and whatever whoever and whatever wins awards in Hollywood tends to persist in Hollywood. And what, I mean, like just look at Brie Larson. She won the Oscar for, for room Mm. and all of a sudden she's in a Marvel franchise, you know? So like awards have consequences, I guess you could say. That's a good point. And 
if if uh, the Joker starts winning these big prestigious awards, you're going to see Hollywood start ramping up uh, comic book movies as like serious, yeah, um, and that's like fine. prestigious uh, that's cinema films. So uh, it's it's interesting to look at what's happening and kind of like kind of take a bellwether, you know, take a reading of the wind uh, where the industry is going because. I mean, comic book movies have never really won Oscars before. Like you've had people like uh, I guess Heath Ledger won his an Oscar for his role in The Dark Knight. Yeah, but um, you've never had like a comic book movie really win like a Best Picture or something think, like do that. Do you think that was influenced by his death? I'll ask you. Do you think him getting an Oscar Oscar was influenced because Heath he died? Ledger? Yeah, Heath Ledger. Or do you partially? Think, yes, absolutely. So like, if he was still alive, do you think they would have given it to mm. a comic book movie? I think it would have been close. Yeah, I, I don't. I can't. I don't know for sure, but right. I, but I definitely think he got that award because he. It was an honor. It was a way of honoring yeah, him for yeah. sure. I mean, it, he did great. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. by far my favorite Joker. I, I think I even like it better than the the new one. But um, for sure, yeah, yeah I, th- I think he got that because he died. What about you, Kadish? I think that him dying definitely kind of uh, played a role in him winning that award posthumously. Um, but I also think that, you know, it was such a iconic performance that, uh, he probably could have won it if he didn't die, mm-hmm. but him dying definitely, um, put him over the top. Yeah. Put him over the top. Right so all you need to do is die. <laughs> do one really good yeah. role and then just and then kick die. It. <laughs> oh, poor Heath Ledger. Honor my, honor that guy. Yeah, that so, guy. so that's what I wanted to talk about with the Golden Globes okay. is it, it's like a bellwether of what's yeah. to come from Hollywood. And if, if Joker, ends up winning some of these things, then uh, we're going to start seeing people take comic book movies a little bit more seriously. I really want to do a deep dive into uh, the creation of SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) That's a tragic figure right there. I've never watched a single episode of that show on purpose. I saw it like when I was... Parents abandoned him or something. I, I always felt like SpongeBob SquarePants was Ren and Stimpy light. <laughs> oh, Ren I never Stimpy. watched that. See, I don't watch those annoying cartoons of like people Ren just and like. It was dark, man. Dude, uh, they, they broke ground with yeah. that show. <laughs> yeah, that was a disturbing cartoon. You guys can do your cartoon podcast. Start with the Laugh Olympics yeah. and just move forward. <laughs> Pretty much. Talk about all the cartoons yeah. you watch. Start with Scoobs. Scooby Doo. Uh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll have to do that someday. All right. <laughs> sure. And uh, the one final trailer that it kind of dropped a while ago and we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. Um, but uh, the boys season two, God dang, this freaking trailer made season one look light. Like it was <laughs> so freaking much darkness. And uh, the opening scene of this trailer we get to watch is Homelander. We see more emotion on Homelander's face in this one scene than we saw in the entirety of season one. Where he's all covered in blood. He's all covered in blood. And he looks like (laughs) horrified that he's done something. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, what did he do? I want to (laughs) know. And we got some fantastic shots of of the boys themselves. Look like they're amping up training. You got Carl Urban being a badass, as always. I thought he was really cool in season one. And uh, Jack Quaid. The first name's Jack, right? Jack Quaid. uh, he his character looks like he's starting to grow into his into the role of being one of the boys, and uh, I, this whole season just looks insane. And I cannot wait. I love that show. Uh, season one was so good. What, did you see the trailer? I did see the trailer. What did yeah. you think of it? I'm not as impressed as God you are. damn it. <laughs> I, I, I was like surprise, surprise. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this is just kind of a generic teaser trailer. Like it didn't reveal anything new. Like the opening shot with with Homelander was good. Um, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, but in terms of the rest of the, of the, tra- like, I actually, I was like, did I see the same trailer Alex is talking about? Yeah. <laughs> when, 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 
And, it, and then when you describe the Homelander opening shot, I was like, okay, I must have. Um, because the rest of the episode, I mean, it's just like these quick cuts set to generic music. And um, like it, it was just like I didn't really learn anything about the upcoming season. I mean, it looks like a continuation of season one, which was fa- a fantastic TV yeah. show. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. But I just thought this was a very generic kind of teaser trailer. So go ahead. I'm going to, because I'm going to fill in um, some I of was the just going to, I just want to say, I, I kind of, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It was a trailer. Mm-hmm. There were some cool scenes in it, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it just got me wanting more of the show. I'm, I'm, I want season two. I love season one. It was a great show. Yeah. So, you know, it did its job. I, and there were some scenes in this trailer that like were, were so, like kind of like uh, I don't know how you say it, but they were kind of like underlying messages behind this the show itself. There was a scene where you back to back you see Homelander drinking the breast milk out of a bottle and like licking it with his tongue. It was such a creepy, weird vibe, and you're watching it. And you're like, oh, and you already know from season one that this dude's got some serious like maternity yeah, issues, mommy issues. mommy issues, and daddy <laughs> issues, and stuff like that. So seeing him as as trying to be a father uh, figure to this young boy that is his child, he's got superpowers apparently, or he's most likely going to have superpowers. Jack, and, Jack. and yeah, and seeing him like try to be a father figure, even know how messed up he is. It's going to be super weird. And then the parallel to that is watching Butcher drink the whiskey. And it's the same shot, same lighting, everything. It's just the, the parallels of those two people who have like such these huge mental issues to get mm-hmm. over. And they're, we're watching the story kind of unfold. And they're so different, but they're so, they have similarities to them. I thought that was a really cool moment in the trailer. That was a great shot at the end of the trailer with Butcher with the teacup. Yes, I love that meme. Toasts it. <laughs> That's I'm using that forever, man. I love it. It's um, better than the Kermit the Frog one. Yeah, like I, I'm looking forward to the concept of season two of the boys more than like I was with this trailer because, like I said, I felt like the trailer was just really generic. And you know, like we get to see all the major characters. We get to see uh, Black Noir. We get to see Aqua Rapist. We get to see. <laughs> Uh, you know. Aqua rapist. Yeah, I forget his name. Um, or dolphin lover, whatever you want to call him. Um, uh, what, what was the 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 girl's name? Starfire. Starlight. Starlight. We got to see Starlight. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny because Queen Maeve. She um, Starlight didn't really want to be in this role anymore. Not not the actress. I mean, in the in the show itself, like she didn't want to be a part of the Seven. She wanted out. And then after she got betrayed by Butcher and and I can't remember Jack Quaid's character's name. Do you remember what it is? Uh, I, I don't. It's uh, something really like this is like generic and yeah, silly. Generic and silly. <laughs> anyway, um, she got betrayed by them at the end of season one, and I'm curious to see if that kind of sets her on a path. Well, of, she wasn't betray- like she she came to his rescue at the end of season one. Butcher shot her with like a 50 caliber rifle. Do you remember that? I, I do remember and that. Then, but but she came back and she helped them escape. From after the, that happened, yeah, she helped them escape from the speedster guy. I forget his name. Uh, uh, A-train. A-train. A-train? Yeah. yeah. So like A Train was about to kill. Uh, um, Jack Quaid and then Starlight shows up and, and saves him. Uh, I'm going to have to watch season one again. I thought that happened before. No, that happened after oh, she got betrayed. Okay. Well, Man, yeah. I didn't realize when we started this podcast that I was going to have to rewatch <laughs> so much crap. <laughs> you don't have to rewatch stuff. You just have to Man. have a better memory. A better memory or take notes. Yeah. <laughs> Drink some mushroom coffee to help you with your <laughs> co- cognitive notes. abilities. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you, you know, there were definitely a lot of loose threads at the end of, uh, season one of the boys that I'm looking forward to see, like develop more, like for instance, uh, so Elizabeth Shue is no longer in charge of the seven. And that means <laughs> that, uh, we've got, a power Gian- vacuum. we've got Giancarlo Esposito stepping up at, you know, his character who runs the, the, the Krep corporation. And there were also kind of, um, 
elements to the trailer that show that supervillains are taking a more active role in season that two. Was, yeah, that was a plot in season yeah. one. Yeah. Because in this world, the the people with superpowers have never really had to fight other people with superpowers. They were kind of like the ones who, you know, uh, were just kind of going around helping out with like natural disasters and stuff. Um, but in season one, we get the development that the superheroes were creating supervillains so like they could fight them. Yeah. Uh, because they wanted an excuse for the government to actually need them, need superheroes. And that was part of the bad behavior that the boys wanted to kind of uh, put in check. Yeah. But long story short, uh, I think that season two of the boys is going to kind of ramp things up and oh, uh, for sure. be absolutely batshit insane. <laughs> I could not believe that in a trailer they showed somebody getting their head ripped in half. Yeah. Like that was, I was that's like, Whoa. that's the crazy part about this show. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine, never heard of the show, never really heard of the comic book. And he, so he goes, well, what's it about? And I described him the very first scene. Of episode one, or the girlfriend, where the, girl the girlfriend just blew blows up. up, and he's sitting there with her hands in his hands, and, <laughs> and he was like, "No way!" I go, "Yeah, way." That's the opening scene, and he's like, "I'm in," and he just like he's probably watching it right now. He's like, "Because you know, yeah. once you discover this show, it's addictive. If you're, if you're any kind of comic book fan or just." Superhero fan, yeah. you're you're gonna watch it, and, yeah. and the the superheroes are basically just takeoffs of the DC Justice yeah. League characters. Just if they were evil and yeah. corporatized, yeah. And you, you know what's sad though is, um, I don't know if you guys ever watched The Tick on Amazon. Um, there were two seasons of The Tick, mm-hmm. and that show was absolutely fabulous. It was just as good as The Boys, I'd say. I haven't I haven't watched that version. I watched the uh, the version with the. Uh, Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton. You know, Putty Tick. Yeah, Putty Tick. Putty Tick. I thought that was great. Yeah. uh, You know, I used to be a big fan of the cartoon, but Amazon did two seasons of The Tick, and it was a fantastic adaptation. Like, it just... Ben Ben Edlin came back, and he was the showrunner, and so it was was just pure Tick from start to finish. I'm going to have to check that one out. And they, uh, you know, they had their own kind of take on the superhero mythos, and it was slightly more comedic, but it it was still just as fascinating. And unfortunately, Amazon canceled it after two seasons. Hmm. I never watched it. Hopefully, I, the boys get some more. Than I two remember seasons. the cartoon. I think with Putty, right? Putty was the animated version. I remember seeing that when I was younger, and I just it seemed too silly for me. I didn't really want to get into it. It's funny because Amazon has like a lot of really interesting kind of original series that they've canceled, like uh, mm-hmm. Jean Claude Van Johnson. You guys got to watch that. That's a show. That's a show. It, it's it's Jean Claude Van Damme as a spy version of himself. So, so he's Jean-Claude Van, yes. Van Damme by day, and by night he's Jean-Claude Van Johnson, who's like a secret agent what? who goes around the world. <laughs> this is a thing? Fighting, uh, fighting international <laughs> spies. Oh, my and, God. And uh, there's a lot of like time cop references, so there's time travel in it and all sorts of crazy stuff. He, he, he's doing an action version of Huckleberry Finn called Huck. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's his cover. And 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 basically the whole thing, like the reason why Jean Claude Van uh, Van Damme movies still get made is because the government's subsidizing them as part of his cover to go out and do secret <laughs> missions. <laughs> I think Jean Claude is one of the guys that's prime for a resurgence, yeah. oh, a legit movie oh, resurgence. Like you got to watch this show; it is absolutely oh my brilliant. God, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and, and, and it was only one season, though. Unfortunately, I, I want to see Blood Bloodsport. Where he's the training, he's the yeah, he's, he's the grizzled old, old grizzled trainer guy <laughs> yeah. who's training his son to go into the kumite and blood win, win and and I want to see a cyborg redo and I want to see a 
Universal Soldier 12 and uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of those. I want to see him again. Like Jean-Claude Van Damme is just like, like he's kind of bought in. He's kind of like Shatner at this point. He's kind of yeah, bought yeah. into his own, his own mythos. Like uh, I was watching some random music video one time. Jean-Claude just shows up and is part of the music video. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't sing or anything. He's just there. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and he does that commercial where he did like the splits between the two moving yeah. trucks and stuff like that. You know, for an old guy, he's still able to do those splits. That's awesome. How old is he? he wow. He's in his 60s, I think. Is he? So he's prime. He's perfect. He's yeah. perfect for that comeback. <laughs> for yeah. all those Stallone-style. More, yeah. more Hollywood remakes and yeah, reboots. absolutely. <laughs> but, but yeah, you guys got to watch Jean-Claude Van Johnson. I'm going to have to. It's only like the episodes are only half hour long, so they're not a big commitment. But oh, so they're- the, sh- the show itself isn't very good, but the ideas that the show uses are fantastic. Okay. Right? Like it. It's a very fun show to talk about. I'll give it, I'll give it a shot. 30-minute long episodes? Yeah. It's like Mandalorian style? Yeah. Mandalorian Look style. Look at Matt with the- Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Segways. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> uh, wow. Mandalorian uh, came out with a new episode. Yeah, and Episode 5. Oh, God, it was awful. It was just bad. I, I like how you like refer to it as the, the, the mis- Mandalorian, Mandalorian misfire. misfire. <laughs> it's like, eh, okay. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. And I, I defended last episode, uh, the Seven Samurai episode. I, I enjoyed it just because it was it was so pure. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, we've seen this a million times. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I still enjoyed it. This episode... It was just, it was like, oh, look, we're in, uh, we're on Tatooine. Lots of nostalgia. So much nostalgia. With normally, I don't, it doesn't bother me if it's, if it's delivered correctly. I give me a full scoop of nostalgia. I don't really care. But when it was delivered like this, like we walk in, we'll just kind of break down what happens. You know, they're, they're flying. The space action in the very beginning opening scene was pretty cool, except for the cheesy freaking line where the Mandalorian apparently knows that he has his own catchphrase. That's <laughs> my line. That's my line. I'm like, like what? bring in cold or warm. <laughs> that's my line and he shoots them. i'm like oh my god that was corny <laughs> it just that's like I, as soon as that started and i was like oh my it was like such a meta joke i'm like all right i kind of know what we're in for now and then they land on tatooine and go to moss Eisley, and i'm like oh that'd be kind of cool to see moss Eisley now and we get to and we land and we see it and two things went wrong immediately <laughs> I was like, he lands, and this the little gas station lady. I found her incredibly annoying. <laughs> I did. Too. I could not stand her. I absolutely. And nothing did. against the actress. You know, I, I want to make sure when we Sigourney Weaver, but shorter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was. It looked yeah. like Ripley, huh? Yeah, she was. Oh, a while Amy, ago. Amy Sedaris from Strangers with Candy. Yeah, yeah. I believe nothing it's against her. Well known. I'm, I'm sure she's a fine actress and all, but for this role, I just it took me out of the whole of the whole show. And then the second thing, like this whole entire season, Mandalorian has been like, "Don't touch my kid." And he mm-hmm. never lets Baby Yoda out of his sight. And he, even when he was safe in that town in the last episode, he was very like he, he, well, little, he left him with a waitress. Well, he he, <laughs> he, he actually two seconds earlier he, he locked him in the ship like yeah. a bad dad, like, like a, yeah, even a dog in a hot car. <laughs> You know, it was, it was really bad. I'm like, what is he going to so, do? He's yeah. going to wake up and be stuck in that little bed and so, not be able to move? Someone on Twitter said, why didn't he just put Yoda in carbonite? Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's, 
<laughs> but I just I thought it was like completely out of character for him to just lock him in the ship and then leave without letting anybody. He didn't even let the lady know that he was in there. You know, like at least the because waitress, he, at least he was like, here, watch the kid for me. And he paid yeah, the waitress. Yeah. But this one, he was just like, I'm just going to lock you in the closet and I'll be back in a couple of days. Like, what? <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> Go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't buy into that at all. 50 year old baby. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then we had, uh, we had this guy, the sacrilege of having somebody else sit in Han Solo's seat. <laughs> I'm kidding. See, you know, I, when it comes to the cantina, the first time I watched that episode, I could have swore, you know, that is not the same cantina. I, I could have swore it was this, the wrong place that they did it wrong. But I actually went back last night and I took screenshots on my phone mm-hmm. from the, from the movie, the original Star Wars movie. And, and I watched that entire cantina scene. Then I watched, rewatched episode five. Mm-hmm. And they actually did really good with it. I, I oh, was, I was, yeah. I was going to make this big long Twitter rant post like <laughs> they screwed it up. They did this, this, and this, and that, but they did because. What, yeah, what struck pretty- me more, like it was cool to be in Mos Eisley again, but what struck me more, <clears throat> what I thought was really weird, is that there was like nobody there. Yeah, it was. Very was it was so empty. I'm like, and you made a good point, and we'll talk about it in a second. You kind of, we were talking about <laughs> it last night, but I just, I when I was watching it, I'm like, why, why is there like three people in this entire like. This was like the big city on, on Tatooine, or at least the closest one to where Luke lived. And it was like the bustling, you know, hubbub of scum and villainy. And I thought that was really cool. And, and you know, even in the original theatrical version where George didn't have a big budget for all these extras, he still managed to make the city look busy. I think after, since the Empire's gone now, That's what, and, yeah. and Jabba's gone now, there's there's no it's reason like to really people town. hang out. You know, it's yeah. just like, oh, we don't smuggle stuff here anymore. There's no more bounty hunters yeah. around. That's what Kate just said. Yeah. Without the night. hut crime cartel to kind of attract all the low lives. And uh, like you saw, basically, they purged the Empire with all like the the stormtrooper helmets on mm-hmm. spikes and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's also the trope of like the, the cowboy riding into a ghost town and or a dying mining town or something like that. Yeah. So, so like, you know, uh, Moss Eisley was definitely kind of on, on the downward turn by the time Mandalorian showed up. Yeah, and I, I understood that. And that's a solid point. I, I just For me, I was just watching it, and I, yeah. I didn't really and think like, about it, that. If you watch the original uh, A New Hope as opposed to the special editions where Lucas added like way more activity, mm-hmm. uh, in the original versions, like it was pretty much like you saw in that episode. It was just like a, a, this is you true. Know, two or three guys walking around in the background. That's it. Because they had like land speeders driving around and. They did not. No. Yeah, they did. In the no, original one? Not really, nope. not in the original. Not in the original. Lucas really spiffed up Moss Eisley in, yeah. in the special editions for sure. Yeah, you never saw the original. I you have seen the, the original. I grew up the, with the, the original edition. on VHS before the special edition well, came then you out. You need to rewatch it, my friend. I think you I do. do. I think you really do. But I'm, I swear to God, there was a speeder. It wasn't like they didn't have like giant dinosaurs walking around like they did in the special edition. But there was like. If there was a speeder, it was like parked in the back. No, like, it, it drove. It was in front of of, uh, of Luke and, and Obi-Wan before they get stopped by the stormtroopers. There was another one that was right in front. It looked like a. like a, It almost looked like a sports car. It had like a sportier look than Luke's. Luke's was kind of like a. a a wagon type looking one. This one was a little lower well, to the ground, a little sportier. The point is, is like it was nowhere near as uh, bustling yeah. as it was in the special that. editions. Yeah, jaw was like, this was like the uh, deserted old West Town now. Yeah, or yeah. The, I got the, that. And then the and, gold mines of wore out yeah. and, and the, the locals and, took over. Yeah. So. And I, you know, and then moving forward in the story with, with Mandalorian kind of like come in contact with this, uh, this rookie bounty Toro hunter. Toro Calican, <laughs> by, played by Jake Cannavale. 
I don't know why he would have taken that job. I feel like it Terrible wasn't character. Yeah, his his character was kind of. I didn't like him. Well, he either. was desperate for work, right? Because he, he was. Needed, he needed to get his ship repaired, and he didn't have any money. Yeah, I I, I got that, but I just the like he said is like you're gonna die doing this. Like this lady's gonna kick your ass, and and it didn't sound like there was a lot of money. And the other thing too is the guild is chasing Mando, right? He's got a bounty on him. So how is he exactly gonna take this bounty from this kid and then take credit for it, or not take credit for it, but get the get the money for it and give credit to the kid so that he can have some clout. Like he, they're he, not going to let he, him turn in that bounty. He wasn't going to turn in the bounty. Basically, uh, Calican was going to turn in the bounty and give him the, the money uh, yeah. under the table. Oh, uh, okay. That's how I took it. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I, like the Mandalorian was in a tough spot, which is why he went to the bar because he can't go to the guild to yeah. get work. So like he was looking for it and uh, Calico wanted into the guild. He wasn't in the guild yet. And so by bringing in that bounty, he could get into the guild and he was willing to trade the bounty for uh, the uh, prisoner to bring in for the reputation. But my question is, if he's not in the guild, how does he get a fob? Hmm. He didn't have a fob. He had a uh, he had a puck, right? Didn't he have a fob? He had a puck. He had both. I thought he had a fob too because he took it off of him, right? Mandolin was yeah. like, give me your fob. He's like, no, I'm not going to give you this. And then he broke it. Well, yeah. I, I think fobs are like uh, cell phones. Like they're not, they're not limited to to the. Uh, I, I think the the pucks are limited to to the guild, maybe. But uh, fobs just seem like anyone can get them. Oh, okay, that's crazy. Be- because the people who usually commission the bounty hand out the fobs. Right? Or fob controversy. Yeah, fob. how do these they fobs? work? <laughs> yeah, how, exactly do they how do work? they work? Who has them? Why are they allowed to use you them? Buy them at. Uh, you know, Walmart on Coruscant the, the, for the, everybody. The, so, okay. You, you know, the thing is, though, is like I'm actually surprised at how many people were down on this episode because I didn't think it was all that bad. I just that. I, like, I actually thought that it was kind of on par with episode four for me in terms of like, you know, like it was just nothing special. It was a bottle episode. Um, it had fun elements to it. It was nostalgia overload. Um, I know that that it certainly felt cheaper than some of the other episodes. Like the Baby Yoda puppeteering wasn't oh, on God. par. This was yeah. This was the you know, first the, the, episode. The story stuff wasn't you know uh, as, as well told as it as it had been in the past, but for the most part, it was it was like it, it felt just like a Mandalorian episode, with the exception of episode three, which I think is the best episode of the season so far. It, it it's pretty much on par with what we've seen before. Uh, just the the way that they worked the the puppet in this episode was this is the first episode where I actually felt like Yoda was a puppet, mm-hmm. baby Yoda. I was watching it and I'm like, it, it was just a dead thing that the lady was picking up. Like you could have changed the camera angle, maybe changed the lighting a little bit and you would have been able to sell it better. But they just had it so plain and just like, oh, let me just pick up this doll. And it was kind of like just dangling there. Its also, arms like, were limp. Like between the first episode and this episode, both directed by Dave Filoni, like his, uh, his episodes have felt very cheap to me. Like the first episode felt like a fan film mm-hmm. in terms of like how it was produced. And this episode, even though like the effects were slightly better, it did still have kind of a cheap feel to it he also wrote this episode yeah yeah i'm not I'm, and that was funny because i'm like i'm always defending dave filoni yeah, I, I think he belongs with star wars i don't mm-hmm. ever want to take that away from him but i'm like god damn it dude you got to do he's better than, you got to do better than this he's learning on the job i think, <laughs> well, I think there was a reason he was in animation yeah <laughs> you know, the live action the jump to live action doesn't seem to be suiting him all that well i thought uh, the uh 
the the Tuscan Raiders scene was silly. That was so dumb. Yeah, who knew Tuscan Raiders were could, sign language? They could, yeah. Or they could teleport. And that the Mandalorian, the, the the whole the whole allegory. In, they in made all fairness, the, though, they kind of did. I, with the that's been around for a while. Yeah. In all fairness, the Tuscan Raiders did kind of teleport in a New Hope. Like they would just show up and attack people and stuff. <laughs> I don't know, dude. This was bad. <laughs> like they just. They, oh, thanks for putting that in my book. <laughs> <laughs> But but it, it it is it it makes you know that like the Mandalorian he's been to Tatooine before he's been to Mos Eisley before he's dealt with Sand People before so <laughs> he's on a that, first name basis with the Tuscan Raiders that, that that gives us a uh, more sense of his backstory you know like like he's been to these kind of he's like, well traveled yeah he's well traveled <laughs> he's been to these like really seedy uh, places in the galaxy um, and I thought that his kind of uh, like we really get to see. Uh, the Mandalorian strategy and how he compares to other bounty hunters were because they're going up against Ming-Na who uh, I forget her name in the, in the actual show, but she's like supposed to be this really uh, like hardcore former Imperial, like she's special a, forces. She's a mercenary. Yeah. Well, she's a mercenary now, but she, she came from like the Imperial special forces. And so like, she's super deadly. She's like a crack shot with a sniper. We get to see like if he hadn't been wearing his Baskar steel armor, like he'd be oh. dead. And you get yeah. a lot more out of watching this stuff than I do. Like twice. He got shot twice with yeah. that freaking rifle. Yeah. Actually, he got shot three times. Was it three times? He got shot uh, twice when he's out checking out the dewback. Oh, yeah. And he got shot once when they were charging her with the with the bikes. Yeah, he made a, he made a point by saying that if he hadn't been at such long, long range, range yeah. and if he hadn't been wearing Baskar steel, yeah. uh, those shots would have killed him. And he mentioned what rifle she was using too, which I thought was kind of cool. I'm like, you could probably Google that and find some crazy backstory about that rifle that sure. she's using. She's like, only a modified, what a, what a, what a, can you, can shoot that far or something like well, that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised she wasn't using disintegration rounds. Mm. He didn't Speaking, bring his gun yeah, with him. Where was his, was his rifle at? I don't know. Come on, Dave. <laughs> that, that, that really kind of threw me. He doesn't ever leave that, that rifle anywhere. He, there's two things he never leaves behind. Baby Yoda and his rifle. And he left them both on the <laughs> he ship. He left both on the ship. Oh, man. This episode is whack. Of course, you anyway, can't get a bounty on something that's disintegrated. Like her, I, did, I have the to final, say, I did like... The showdown was a little anticlimactic, oh too. My, yeah, it was a bit. But I, I did like that she, um, she was manipulating that rookie... I, I thought that was kind of cool, and then he kind of played back at it, like I can't trust you anyway, so I'm just going to shoot you and, yeah. and take his armor, which apparently was more worth more money than the bounty that she was worth. So I thought all that that little scene, that little back and forth between them, was pretty cool. But in all, I think her character was kind of wasted. I hope she comes back, but I don't think she will. Uh, yeah, I, I, she I, I think she will simply because I've seen um, promo stuff with her in it that wasn't in this episode, hmm. And also, like, we get the big twist at the end where someone finds her um, after she's been shot in the desert. And uh, the big theory is that the guy who finds her was Boba Fett. Mm. And the reason that people are saying that is because of, uh, like, when he's walking towards her, you hear, like, the spurs clinking. Yep. And that was a sound that you know, Boba Fett made when he walked uh, in Empire and uh, Return of the Jedi. So uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of speculation out there that he somehow survived the Sarlacc pit and uh, this is his resurgence. I've always been a fan of the idea that he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Oh yeah, I, I've always loved that idea. And so it sets up him chasing after Mandalorian. Yeah. So like it could be a situation where Boba Fett's now Mandalorian's arch nemesis. I don't know. I don't. Enemy. I don't buy it. You don't think it's him? No. I think it's a misdirect. I think. I think if they uh, bring Boba Fett onto the show, then it turns into the Boba Fett show. You know what? I think it might be. That might be a plot thread that'll be picked up in season two. I think it's the, uh, uh, I don't know. It could be that Imperial guy that we haven't 
that we haven't seen in the show yet. But it's just, I mean, it could be Boba Fett, but I just, I just don't think it is. I, I think that would be too big of a distraction from yeah. the show itself. Yeah, because his popularity would just yeah. explode. Twenty bucks on it? No. <laughs> <laughs> How how strong are your convictions, Mister Vader? Uh, I don't know. Just it just wouldn't make sense to me. I I see your point. Like it would definitely be a weird thing to kind of take the spot. If they're going to bring Boba Fett back, they should have a Boba Fett series. Mm. Not well, you know him, what? I think not making them. A I think little, you mentioned it. It would be kind of a cool idea is if they did uh, the, the white hat, black hat, cowboy yeah, type thing. I, I think Boba Fett works better as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that making the Mandalorian a good guy and having Boba Fett be kind of like his, you know, Moriarty to his Sherlock Holmes yeah. uh, makes a lot of sense. That could work. Me. I yeah. think that could work. And if they do bring him back, it better be freaking either Daniel Logan, the kid who played little Boba Fett in episode two, just out of honor for him, you know, bringing a character back from Star Wars or the actual actor. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, was it Morrison? Something Morris? The uh, the guy who played Jango Fett. Aquaman's dad. Aquaman's dad. I should know his name. Could, could be anybody because they're never going to take his helmet off. Yeah. Yeah, but he can though because he's not a Mandalorian. That was that was the thing that made some, some feathers get ruffled this week, right? What? Was uh, all the different people that are supposedly inside the Mando suit when they're filming the show. And that it was a stunt guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Apparently, guy. Pedro Pascal. John Wayne's son, right? Or something like that. Yeah, he was one of the stunt guys. <laughs> I don't know if that was the guy who played the Mandalorian, but uh, yeah, for this, this, or for Bly- Bryce Dallas Howard's episode, I guess uh, Pedro yeah. Pascal had some other other things that he was working on, so he wasn't even there. <laughs> he and was it was audition- or he was practicing for a Broadway show. Yeah. So he they got the stunt guy to just the entire episode, which I mean, to me, I'm like, eh, whatever. Uh, it doesn't bother. Yeah, me. it doesn't bother me, but it can be offensive to some people to think. It did surprise me. I, sure, I was yeah. not expecting that. Pedro's like, I got to go shoot Wonder Woman 1984. I'll, I'll be yeah. back to I'll record my lines. Some <laughs> lines. Yeah. It, it kind of betrays a little bit of the idea that these actors like are, are invested in the property and want to do the best that they can, where it's yeah. just like, oh, I'm just going to. Well, I, I think it gives the know. production a lot more flexibility. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And that's another good reason never to show his face. And I like keep I, the helmet on. I like the idea. Um, I was reading that interview with the stunt guy who was talking about it. He's like, him, me and Pedro have worked with this character, his movements, what he's going to mm. be like. And, and I thought it was really cool that they said Pedro Pascal has like no ego about this at I, all. I mean, Pedro Pascal was not in the Mando outfit when he fell off that Jawa uh, <laughs> no. tank thing, you know? No, but that's all stunt work and stuff like that. You would think that for like the speaking lines and, and for the areas where you're, you're going back and forth between two characters like Cara Dune and that, that farmer lady, that mm. it would be the actual actor, but oh, as far as the speaking lines, he's just James Earl Jones in there. Yeah. 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 He's in a studio somewhere, probably doing a hundred takes of every line that they do. And yeah, to pick the best one. So, yeah, you know, Alex, you, you kind of criticized the acting in this episode, but I felt like the acting was pretty much on par for what we've seen <laughs> so far. I, I mean, you can't look at episode four and say that, uh, um, Carano's, uh, acting is any better or worse than what we got in, in episode it, five. Was, it was just less annoying because Karana was playing that like badass, like stoic type character, I mean, and that's easier. That was like, easier like she, to. She's not an actress. <laughs> no, that's. It was easier for me to buy into that as being her character as this this hanger lady working at the gas station with the annoying little episode one droids running around. You didn't like those guys. I, the, I don't like episode box. one. I, I mean, I thought that was kind of a cool little throwback. That was a cool little throwback. I, it was all right, uh, but they're they're just kind of like, silly. Oh, I remember those. Things. The torture yeah. droid from Jabba's palace as the bartender. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> like that. So that bartender probably left, huh? 
after yeah. Jabba died because well, well, he didn't like he, droids. He didn't allow droids in his bar. So somebody else bought the bought the bar, and they're like, "I just have droids run the whole place." <laughs> and this guy's like, "I'm out of work. I can't torture well, anybody it, anymore." It was, it was also the day shift, so <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the droids might handle the day shift at the bar because <laughs> that bar was pretty empty. You know, if they really wanted to do a deep cut, uh, like nostalgia type thing, they should have had Watto flying around somewhere in the background. He's at the other city, though. He wasn't. Oh, that's right. He wasn't Moss Eisley. This is Moss Eisley. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good call. See, that's how that's how many times I've seen episode one. All right. So, and where is this Moss Eisley Tower structure at? Tower structure? Yeah, I remember when they were like, Moss this Eisley. is Moss Eisley Tower. We have you on our radar uh, fr- from the uh, from the spaceport. Oh, it's like I never even really like thought of Moss Eisley as being like. I mean, I know you have like the landing pads and everything, but I always kind of thought they never had like a, an actual. Like structured airport kind of thing. Well, they have like, the docking bay, docking bay ninety four. Well, they were they were the only spaceport in the area, which is why it was such an important um, landmark. Yeah, we have uh, we have some fan questions to talk about oh, before we, we end. We have fans. We do. Wow. Uh, you do. Wow. You do. Because when I post when I post something on Twitter and say, "Hey guys, if you have any questions, drop them in below," I get nothing. And then you say the same thing, and you get like five or six different people asking like really cool what questions. Can I say I'm a very important person. You must be. Thank you for being part of my team. <laughs> Making me laugh over here. Uh, we've got uh, Aaron Countryman uh, at OC Mano on Twitter, and he asks Ghostbusters signaling that maybe studios are finally listening to fans or do you believe it's just another nostalgia cash grab? Um, both. <laughs> I say both. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I think the studio paid attention to what happened in 2016 and said, well, that didn't make a good ripple. Let's try something else. And then they're trying this. But it's like, let it be known. It's not because they care. It's because they want to make money. Yeah. I mean, Sony has so few um, viable franchises um, that they're like just barely holding on to, like Spider-Man, James Bond, stuff like that. So like Ghostbusters was a big franchise for them that they didn't utilize for like 30 years. And uh, when they decided to, you know, reboot it, um, they had, they, they created a like ghost studios or something like that, that Ivan Reitman was running and they were going to do all types of like, uh, they were going to do a Ghostbuster cinematic universe. They were going to do a bunch of movies, TV shows based mm-hmm. on it. And then Paul Feig and Amy Pascal basically just ran it in the ground with that terrible <laughs> answer the call movie, uh, you know, Ghostbusters 2016. And that derailed it. And then once they got rid of Pascal and brought in Rothman, Rothman was kind of like, well, it's still a viable franchise. Let's just reboot it again. And uh, they brought in Jason Reitman, who's Ivan Reitman's son. And uh, he basically said, okay, well, this is the idea I want to do. Yeah. In fact, he shot like uh, that little teaser where mm-hmm. it was in the, the barn and showed Ecto-1. And, mm-hmm. and he used that to kind of pitch his idea to Sony. And Sony was like, okay, let's go for it. Yeah. And so um, I feel like the people who are doing this movie have an actual respect for the source material and a respect for the franchise, whereas Paul Feig just did not. And uh, I think that you have two elements here, which is like they, they want it to make money, but I think at the same time they learned a lesson and they're trying to do it the right way this time. So Yeah, and if this, if this movie does well and gets a lot of money and a lot of praise uh, from fans and critics, uh, then we might see other studios, maybe. I'm trying to be hopeful about it, maybe fall a course and be like, okay, well, let's start you know, treating oh, these IPs. It'll be really with- interesting to see the box office numbers for this show when it comes out. Yeah. I mean, between The Last Jedi changing how Star Wars has been run, uh, you know, with with no more spinoffs and we're taking a break from movies for a while. People and then for 2016. Like woke gender swapped movies. Yeah. They don't. Well, Look what happened to Terminator. 
Terminator, Dark yeah, Fate. Terminator yeah. is pretty much dead now. You know, it's yeah. done. It's over. It, and, it, and it ended on a terrible note. And then you got, uh, what was it, um, Ocean's 8? Didn't, yeah, didn't, do didn't do very do well anything. either. Yeah. It's, you know, it's if you're going to do something and you want to do in that vein of, of having like a, a girl power type movie, you have to you have to bring it into its, it's own gotta be original. Yeah. original content. That would work. But when you try to just just rip off well, people, another people franchise. People are also tired of being preached to when they go to mm-hmm. movies. They just want to have like a fun movie going experience. Like people go to the movies to get away from politics. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. and this, you know, like I had uh, I had someone on. So uh, I kind of poked the, the bee's nest a few weeks back when I, I tweeted something about Elite Battle Angel. Because someone on Twitter was virtue signaling hardcore about, uh, you know, um, that movie. I basically said, like, you know, oh, well, you know, it could just be that Alita Bad Angel was a well-told, fun yeah. science fiction movie yeah. with, a, with a good main character that didn't virtue signal. And uh, I got <laughs> just dogpiled on by, by the, <laughs> by the SJW you, army. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the big arguments that these people were using was, like, every movie's political. There's politics and everything. And I'm like, that's just not true. Like, you can have political elements as plot points. Um, or you could have political messaging in your movie, which basically mm-hmm. turns it into propaganda. And the problem with a lot of these big Hollywood movies lately has been that the filmmakers have been using them as propaganda pieces as opposed to, you know, just using them as political. Because like the original Star Wars movies, you know, there were political elements to them, but it wasn't like they weren't preachy. They weren't no. kind of pushing a message. Whereas uh, with something like The Last Jedi, there were definite like preachy political messaging moments in that that film and so it's like stop everybody look at the tortured animals yeah <laughs> and and that was the problem with ghostbuster 2016 as well was it was like it was uh, th- there were lots of uh, kind of political messages in that movie but more so in the marketing of that movie because they were fighting so hard against the backlash and so, so the biggest problem with hollywood nowadays is they keep forgetting who their audience is mm-hmm. the audience for these movies tends to be like, you know, white males between the ages of 25 and 50, you know, and they keep trying to change the demographic of these audiences. And in doing so, they lose their core audience. And then they wonder why the movie fails. Like Terminator is a perfect example of that. When you have the director coming out and saying, uh, if you're a misogynist, you're going to hate this movie. And then every male uh, Terminator fan is just like, okay, well, I'm not going to see this movie. <laughs> I'm not a misogynist, but like, if you think so lowly of, of men, then, you know, like I'll just wait till video or something. Like, you don't want to make a Terminator movie for my wife because my wife is never going to yep. go watch it. Same, same with my girlfriend. Uh, it doesn't matter. It, it, it's funny because like my girlfriend, you know, she's a very progressive uh, uh, woman uh, and she has no interest in Star Wars. Like I've tried to get her to watch Star Wars and she's like, I don't want to watch it. And Mm -hmm. so like, you know, like this whole thing with Ray and like, oh, we've got to have female characters in Star Wars. Well, first of all, Star Wars has always had female characters in it. (laughs) But second of all, most women don't care about Star Wars. So it's all it's all the guys who can't get women that, that, that really like Star Wars. Wow. <laughs> you guys remember that? I think I posted on Twitter that clip of um, the dog, the the puppet dog at uh, Episode One release, and oh, it was like uh, it was like just a triumph the insult group, comic. a group of awesome. like hardcore nerd dudes, and then like one girl in the middle, and like you know they're all here to try to get with you, <laughs> dude. Triumph the insult comic dog is that one of the greatest great. like, comic uh, inventions ever. He's like nobody's gonna do it. I remember. Uh, I remember the line for uh, episode one, but we did the whole like twenty four hour almost well, almost two days. Oh yeah, yeah the line. line. The- we, well, we did two. We did we did a line. We did a twenty four hour line to buy tickets. So, so you actually then, stood in line for I did. episode one. 
that we were almost me and my friends almost went down to LA to get in the Chinese theater line. I the, saw the month long one. Yeah, but oh, yeah. We, we decided against it at the last minute, and we had our own line with probably two hundred people at our local theater, and we did one to buy the tickets because there wasn't no pre purchasing back yeah. then, right? We did a twenty four hour line to buy our tickets, and another almost two day fun one to secure our seats. Yeah, and there was like three girls there. Dude, I I, I remember <laughs> I remember the, the the craziness surrounding the release of Episode One because like people had been starved for Star Wars content for so long, and uh, the trailer for it was just fantastic, and it was so exciting. Like the the shot of Darth Maul igniting his dual mm-hmm. lightsaber, mm-hmm. that alone was like, okay, I'm gonna wait for two months in line to get my tickets for this thing because I want to see it. And uh, it was just, it was crazy. And the only thing that kind of came close to that was when The Force Awakens was getting ready to be released. Uh, but nowadays, people are just like... Uh, by your tickets uh, six months ahead. Yeah, yeah. but people, people are like, oh, Rise of Skywalker? Maybe I'll go see it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean I Disney's my, really mismanaged this. <laughs> yeah, I have my one, my, my opening night ticket, and I, I don't plan on seeing it twice uh, unless it's like something crazy good that well, I, wasn't I, I saw some spoilers more spoilers on twitter <laughs> and if they are true I'm, I'm just like i don't even want to see this movie. <laughs> i'm with you brother <laughs> uh, all right we've got one more fan question from kester my man kester at the kester, kester? on twitter yeah kester like kester our, kester our, our buddy yeah, kester, our buddy kester. Oh, okay. said thoughts on the new ghostbusters more ghostbusters questions uh being children of the original characters would making it a franchise centered on a specific family limit the scope of future films uh, I'll start because I don't know much about this franchise. In my opinion, no, I actually think that that kind of uh, brings a little bit more of a heart to it and something a little bit centered on the original cast can actually make the movie have a really good message and a really good good family feel to it. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, I don't think it's going to be a bad thing necessarily. I was actually kind of surprised because um, I, I would have thought that uh, they would have taken the, the child Oscar from Ghostbusters mm-hmm. 2 and have him be like a character all grown up and he kind of uh, is Venkman's kind of spiritual successor. Um, you know, still could be, still could be. Um, I actually thought that was, that might've been Paul Rudd's role uh, going into this, but apparently that's not the case. But I mean, I think that like basically this is a Ghostbusters 2.0. This is going to be the passing of the torch to a new generation. And it is kind of weird that they're choosing to make the kids so young, but I guess going forward, that makes sense because they they kind of want to have like a franchise that you know lasts like at least another ten years. Yeah. So man, can you imagine that kid going from Stranger Things, huge popularity, and then being and it? An oh yeah, he's an yeah, it too. He's an it. He's man, great. This kid's it. everywhere. He's a great actor. Cool. What do you What do you think? Um, I think you're right. I think it's a good way to honor the past and move this series forward. It's what they yeah. should do with as, some as, other franchises, as long as they don't team <laughs> team up with like you know. Um, uh, Spang like Venkman's uh, kids and Ray's kids and and uh, you know uh, all the kids from like the previous Ghostbusters like just keep them keep that as Egon's kids and then bring in new characters mm. and have like a new team yeah and, and pass the torch and I think it'll be good cool right on maybe right. uh, uh, Ant Man Paul Rudd yeah he can be like their uh, their their science advisor guy right this yeah thing, yeah he can be like their uh, <laughs> The cue, <laughs> he starts understanding. I, I, I kind of get the sense that Paul Rudd's character might be the romantic interest for their mom. Could be, so yeah. could be a family affair. That's thing. how I would write it. As long as, <laughs> yeah, 
like I, I really like Stranger Things because one of the reasons why I normally don't like watching kids in movies or TV shows because yeah, I find it violates mo- your Goonie rule. I, I, yeah, it does because if they're if the kids are doing things That's that are just rule. are just dumb and like outlandish, I can't buy it. My suspension of disbelief doesn't stretch that far. So, but with Stranger Things, a lot of the things that happens to these kids. They're either in over their head and they get rescued by an adult at the at uh, some point in time. They get rescued by somebody, or they actually get beaten. Like when they get captured by the the government. Like yeah, no, the kids are not going to escape this. They're going to get beaten, taken, and then you know trotted off to wherever the the facility is or whatever. Like they never win out of like some dumb luck. The only time that they ever do that is when L comes in and and yeah. uses her for, her force powers <laughs> deus ex l yeah exactly so like uh, it, it, i can buy into that because my i can believe that through supernatural means or through somebody coming and helping them that these kids can get out of these situations with this ghostbusters trailer the only thing that kind of struck me is i'm like you got like 13 year old kids doing perfect drifts around a corner with a gunner seat shooting I, at, I, think, at, I think he's 16 was it, was it perfect it looked pretty chaotic to me. <laughs> I don't know, dude. You try to do it in your Jeep and see what happens. Oh, I can do it. <laughs> you can do a drift like that? Just yeah. This is Ecto-1, though. Ecto-1 isn't your normal car. These are, it? these it's are Kirby just, now? Like it's got a mind really, of its they, own? they weren't really raised out there in the sticks, were they? No. Because I know I me, know. personally, I was raised in the sticks. I was driving my dad's truck when I was eight years old. No, no mm. I'm not lying there. It was just like, I had the big ranch to play on. I had pickups, tractors. Harvesters, you name it, man. I could drive it. It was it was it was cool. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I just if they play it right, I can buy it. But if not, uh, it might be a bit much for me and my sensibilities. But so he's got to uh, like run into a telephone pole driving the thing when he's well, you know yeah not be perfect like well, crash. What's interesting is it's literally Ivan Reitman's son shepherding this for it. So there is like a legacy aspect to this movie. Sure. Yeah. And I think that that's being reflected in the story, which I believe Jason Reitman also create like wrote. I think he wrote this movie as well. So um, there's going to be a lot of good nostalgia bits to it. But you, you know, I've seen other other examples of Jason Reitman's work, and it's all pretty good. So I have high hopes for this movie. The, I was not impressed by this trailer, but I think that um, the movie itself will probably be good. I, I'm going to give it a shot. It, it definitely looks better than 2016 for sure. You know. <laughs> So. Definitely. All right, everybody. That's all of our topics for today. We're right about an hour on the episode. So thanks for joining us. Uh, if you would like to, you can support this podcast by going to Patreon and looking up Salty Nerd Podcast and uh, consider donating. I'm working on uh, on getting some content. Um, we had a production meeting at the bar last night where Matt was telling <laughs> me how to how to give our Patreons some kind of exclusive content. So I will be attempting to uh, to get more on top of that game. Uh, so. Uh, jump in there and all the, again, all the money is going to go towards building us an actual studio, uh, in, in, uh, my garage. We'll have a soundproof area and we'll have a, a place to make some good content for you guys. And, um, and you can find us on the socials. Yeah. Social media. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube as well. Salty nerd podcast. Uh, you can find all my content there. My comments, uh, videos on YouTube are typically split up uh, subject by subject from our, our long podcasts. And then we do an exclusive as of right now, it's exclusive, a C TV show, uh, review episode by episode revisited. And, uh, we have special guest Jude who does her little fashion segment on the C (laughs) Jude Juju. Uh, so go check that out. Female perspective. Yep. Go check that out. Give it a thumbs up and, uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe and like, and what is your, uh, Twitter account? Matt Vader 74. Okay. Twitter, Instagram, 
and an abandoned YouTube channel. Yeah, abandoned well. YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Matt Kadish, go ahead. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Matthew Kadish, K-A-D-I-S-H. Uh, I'm also Matthew Kadish on Instagram. You can join my Facebook group at egg, E-G-G-F-B-group.com. And uh, also check out my books at kadishbooks.com. You'll take you right to my Amazon page. And my YouTube channel, kadishvideo.com. There we go. This guy, he's got the full range. Mm-hmm. Right on. He's a pro. I'm he a is pro. a pro. That's why I keep asking him. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> I just right. show up. <laughs> That's all you have to do. It's like, man. what are we talking about today? Perfect. <laughs> like, okay. I haven't watched anything, but I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> These shows are stupid. <laughs> Can we talk about cartoons? Can we talk about Star Wars? Something that's good? <laughs> <laughs> that's questionable nowadays. <laughs> all right, everybody. See you later. <laughs>